Hello and welcome to eight, episode 87 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we have an interview with Travis Gibb. Travis is the comics creator of Broken Down and Four Dead Bodies, now on Kickstarter. Travis, thanks so much for, for joining us. Why don't you uh, start us off with a short bio about yourself and a little bit about the comics that you make. Yeah, um, my name is Travis Gibb. Uh, I'm a comic creator. I've been doing this since 2002. Um, so I create crime comics primarily. I create a lot of different comics, but primarily my uh, niche is crime. So I do uh, a book called Broke Down in Four Dead Bodies. It's about uh, two guys break down the side of the road. But uh, besides that, I do lots of things. I advocate for comics. So I do The Advocator, which is advocating and putting a whole bunch of books together, a whole bunch of different stories all in one. Um, I've done a whole bunch of things over the, top, over the time that I've been doing this. So but mostly sticking to crime job. So uh, 2002, um, so you're pushing, uh, getting close to pushing, uh, I guess, 18, 19, 20 years here? Shh. <laughs> no, I'm 25. That's not possible. <laughs> no, no. no. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. No, yeah, then my math was off there. My, my apologies. No, um, you're, 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 you're right. I was kidding. Yeah, I'm 40. You're good. <laughs> no. Hey, I'm, I'm in, I'm in that same age range with you. So, um, so what in 2002 got you uh, started and made you want to, to make some comics? Well, I've always wanted to make comics. Um, I can't, I'm from New Hampshire. I'm from a, a small town in New Hampshire called Rochester. Um, and I flew to Florida to start to go to film school. This is my goal. This is my dream. I wanted to be in film. Um, with it, I always had a love for comics. I grew up with comics. Um, I like to say in interviews that um, comics taught me right and wrong. My parents were both drug addicts. Um, I love my parents. They, they had a lot of great qualities, but that was a negative quality. Of them. Um, so I saw a lot of bad things, and I really learned right or wrong from the comic books, from you know, Spider-Man, you know, uh, Peter Parker, and all that. So for me, comics was just growing up, every, everything. I spent all my money, the 90s X-Men. Um, I'm from Rochester, New Hampshire, right next to Dover. Dover, New Hampshire, for any real, a lot of comics fans know it for the home place of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, Kevin Eastman and Peter Lard uh, both created it, so I saw them growing up. So comics were kind of my culture. When I moved to Florida, I started doing film. I realized that it would be cheaper to do a comic book. Not by much, but it would be cheaper to be a comic book. So I started writing comic scripts on the side, Got a couple of small gigs uh, doing small anthology stories. Took a break in comics for about 10 years when I had a baby and just came back in 2017. Very cool. And so this is a common theme that we're, we've heard a lot, that uh, a lot of people, uh, that that first thought or that that, that first passion is, is film. But uh, either by circumstance or, you know, lack of funds, uh, they, they see comics as, a, as another way of, of telling stories. So what did you, what did you learn um, from, from your film background that was easy to make the transition to, to comics? Uh, I mean, first, script writing. The script writing is basically the same for the most part. I mean, you have to describe the panels a little bit different, but a panel and a shot are the same thing. Um, you actually get a little bit more wiggle room in panels. Um, the other thing that I really learned is just how to tell a story. When I was in film school, I, I wrote 90% of the scripts mm -hmm. uh, that, I, that were produced in the class. I was just good. I had a natural. I had a love for film and a love for creating. Uh, my inspirations were Quentin Tarantino, Guy Ritchie, Kevin Smith. Um, I was watching these people, James Cameron. I was watching their films and learning how to do this. But I was really learning how to tell a story, how to build things. 
Um, and it's, it's really captured the way I tell things. I, I have a unique story, a way I tell a comic. Um, like most people who start indie will start, you know, here's the beginning of the story, here's the end. I jump around a little bit and not jump around like Quentin Tarantino style, though I have done that. Uh, but jump around with the way I tell a story because I know what the cusp of the story is and how it's supposed to do it and how it lays out. I mean, we're reading comics for years. The budget is ridiculous. I, I spend $45 a week on comics, um, you know, and that's with a 60% discount. So mm -hmm. I read a lot. And so I study uh, and I'm educated when it comes to comics. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. And a lot of the other folks that we've interviewed that are have that, that film background, we've asked them, uh, about the um, it seems like a lot of times when you're doing like a screenplay that one page equals about a minute of, of shooting time um, so how much did you have to transition learning like page turns and uh, you know having something sort of interesting at the you know that last panel of the of the page was was or was that easy for you to pick up uh, it was semi easy but uh, wizard magazine really helped with that um, you know I remember an article very early on from Chuck Dixon uh, this is when Chuck Dixon was doing Nightwing. Um, mm -hmm. His run in Nightwing is probably one of the best written runs of the character. I mean, the character keeps getting reset, but Chuck Dixon, he ran a, a great six years without any reboots or nothing. Um, and he's, he said every five pages, something has to happen. Something has to, the plot has to move forward. And once I started learning that and learning that rhythm and how to do that, it became a lot easier to tell a story and to build it. Um, and then the cool thing about comics, what I love about comics versus film is I can choose what information to give the person. Mm -hmm. You know, I can choose that that facial expression is not the facial expression I want. You know, and I'm going to get that facial expression that I need. I can have a thought bubble. Or I can not have a thought bubble. Those things give me a lot of uh, real, a lot of room to grow where you don't have that necessarily in film. I can kind of say what's going on in the head and what's it having to say something different. You can do that in film, but it seems forced. There's a lot of ADR. There's a lot of, of stretches to do that. And it gets boring and repetitive really fast. Where in comics, it's just a, a staple. It's just a way of life. Um, so, yeah, those are things that I, I really, really like about comics. And that helped me make that transition. Uh, but really action. Really. You're building towards the action, building towards the next initiative. That's why I'm really proud of the next issue of Workdown. And not just because uh, it's a pitch and that's what we're talking about, but I really mastered that issue three. Really, like I really got to put that stuff together. Like I really, I got, you know, scenes that are no dialogue whatsoever. I've got scenes that are heavy dialogue and heavy, heavy drama. And I've really mastered putting that together. And I, you know, I, I actually think I, I, this is the issue where I felt like I get it. I figured it out. I figured out the, the perfect mix of all those things. You know, issue two was kind of a setup issue. So it was kind of fell into that, it was a good issue, but you need to set up. So it got a little boring mm -hmm. on, on parts. So uh, it, it's kind of neat. Uh, that's a great question. So um, being in it as an indie book, do you, do you have a set number of, of pages that you sort of try to confine yourself to? Because I'm thinking about how you said that something has to happen every every five pages. So is there like a, or a, a set number of pages that you're shooting? Or if the story allows for it or calls for it, do you sort of um, expand? Because, you know, like a lot of DC marble books are, are capped at 20 pages is, is there something that you're that you're shooting for yeah i mean i tr i i uh it, believe it or not i actually didn't know the cap was 20 mm -hmm. because again i started in 2002 and i just started writing comics so it was 24 i thought it was 24 pages so that's what i was writing because that's what it used to be 
Uh, they've slowly cut down to 22 and then the 20. Um, and then if you notice, the better writers have 22 pages. Like a mm -hmm. Donny Cates, Jonathan Hickman, they'll have a 22 pages. So I try to stick them to 22 pages. Um, Broke Down has a certain style to it. Um, so like the first five pages of Broke Down has to be a flashback story. And then the other 15 are pushing forward the plot. So but that's a unique style for the book. But that's not necessarily the way I write in everything. Um, so all all three issues that uh, of broke down they 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 all sort of have that same story structure of the the first five pages are are flashback. Correct. Uh, okay. Yeah, the the first five pages are always a flashback. Four four pages instead of five in issue. Four. I sorry, jump. Are you okay? Yeah, we're we're good. Okay. Um, and then issue uh, four is maybe a little bit longer just because it's the big climax. But yeah, for the most part, I try to have five pages of flashback before I start anything um, because I'm trying to tell the character's story. So each character has their own story and they have an arc and I'm telling that through flashbacks in the beginning of comics. Um, but uh, the page count has changed on each one because uh, issue one is 30 pages, mm -hmm. issue two is 24 issue three is 25 and okay. then issue four is currently written at 42 but i'm trying to cut it down nice and um i know that you said that you tell your stories uh jumping around um do you write do you write from like in linear fashion beginning to end and then sort of uh place them as they fit the the story structure in the in the comic yeah i do a, a comic breakdown so i'll, I'll break down the arc so I'll break mm -hmm. down the for a breakdown four dead bodies. It's a four issue arc. So I break down the arc, break it down page by page of what I need to happen at the end of I basically beginning of the issue, end of the issue, and how I need to get there. And then I kind of mock it up, and then I write the issue out, see if it fits my timeline, and if it doesn't, I kind of modify as needed. Okay, and so you said this is a the, this is a four issue story. So um, where this this here is our is our third third act right correct yeah yeah, yeah. this is the, this is uh, the third act going into the fourth you know uh this is the the meat this is this is the big review this is the big reveal issue and four is the resolution you know okay that's the ne kind of the negative that's the only thing i find negative about comics versus everything else you always need more pages for resolution mm -hmm. you know you get that part five of a book, you know, like Max, Absolute Carnage, part five. All right, it's gonna be wrapped up in the first seven pages because they're gonna need the other half of the issue to put every, tell you what happened to every character that they interacted. Yeah, there's been numerous Marvel events, DC events, where you get to that last book and it's so much thicker. It's, uh, you right. know, it's <laughs> so, many, so many loose ends and everything to, to be tied up. Um, so did you know the uh, did you know the ending point of issue four like uh, a while ago and you so you've yeah always uh, been working towards that yeah absolutely from day one especially when you're doing crime uh, mm -hmm. crime it's extra important because um, you know there's some sort of mystery there's a revenge plot there's cases so I need to know where everything goes and I need to put uh, you know basically uh, crumbs throughout the issue. Um, in fact, this is an interesting thing. I was thinking, I was talking about it with my, um, with, with Chuck the other day, Chuck Pino. I don't know if you ever had him on, but uh, Chuck kind of, we talked through story stuff. And I realized that at the end of the issue, uh, issue four, I'm probably going to have to have a explaining how smart I was. Um, <laughs> and it's not that I want to do that. It's just, I'm not Grant Morrison. I'm not Jonathan Hickman. Like people don't assume that I'm smart. So like I have to kind of point out exactly what I did to show it. 
to show it to people. You know, I can't just do it. So it's, it's interesting trying to figure that out. But yeah, I, I actually arced out a 12 issue arc. Okay. Because I actually plan on doing 12 issues. Uh, but I, I do an arc at a time. So this is a four issue mini. Then there's a whole bunch of one shots. And then there's a, a six issue arc at the end. Oh, wow. So, so that's you, my plan. Very cool. And uh, so going back to what you were saying, like, do you, are you going to, are you planning on maybe having like, uh, I don't know if this is a good way of, of, of explaining, but you know, like in the sixth sense where you got to the end and they kind of like this thing, this, this, this thing, like you didn't see it, but now that you, now that you're at the end, if you put all the pieces together, is that sort of what you're trying to? Yeah. Yeah. I'm doing that basically, you know, uh, there's going to be a letter being written by one of the main characters and the letter's going to explain here's how I did it. Here's why I did it. Here's what it's for just to kind of hit it on the nose. Um, and again, I just think, I think that that's one of the things that indie comics people need to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, we try to do big epic all the time when sometimes, you know, Marvel and DC, just, they just want to know you can tell a story. They don't yeah. necessarily need you to do big and epic. If you could do big and epic and tell a story, that's great. But most of us can't because we want to write our opus now and we're not there yet. Like we have to earn our keep. We have to figure out this, this writing thing. We've got to figure out what responds to our audience and go from there. You know, when I read issue two, uh, you know, I was just like, man, I really love it, but I am not good at setup yet. Like this is a great, this is a fine issue. It's, there's nothing wrong with it, but I wish I knew how to do this better because I don't right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's another interesting thing that we've we've heard a lot. Um, that the 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 idea of um, starting small and sort of building and like adding an adding an aspect to to it each time you each time you come back. Like when you get that idea, you're really excited and you want to you want to jump in. But maybe it's it's a good idea to sort of um, take it slow and, and and build. So it sounds like that sounds like you're saying that as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I want to build, you know, my big arc that I want to tell is, you know, the one that's the six issue arc at the end. Mm-hmm. I'm building towards that and showing that I can tell stories to get to that. And by the time, hopefully I get the readers and stuff. And it looks like I am. I mean, I seem to be doing pretty well. Yeah. Uh, on my Kickstarters, I seem to be doing well at getting, getting people to back it. So people seem to be digging my stuff. Uh, you know, they're coming back for issue three and I, so that's that's good, right? <laughs> yeah, def- definitely, definitely. You had mentioned earlier that uh, Tarantino uh, was was an influence. What uh, what Tarantino movie would be most uh, similar to to this book? Ooh, um, or any 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 yeah, kind no, of no, movie? No, 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 either either. Um, uh, it, it would probably be Reservoir Dogs would probably be the closest. Okay. Um, or. Um, can't even think of it right now. Hold on. Um, it's the one he didn't direct. Come on, I'm struggling here. Oh, uh, true lie. Uh, true, lo- true romance. True romance. True romance. Yeah, I almost said true lies. That was not right. True romance. <laughs> uh, and then a lot of Guy Ritchie. You know, um, Lock, Stock, Two Smoke, Barrel, Snatch. And if you haven't seen The Gentleman, The Gentleman just came out uh, okay. this week. It is amazing. I went sorry yesterday. It is a great that guy. I'm so happy he's done writing Sherlock Holmes, mm-hmm. back doing regular crime stuff. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, so, what was uh, you, you? You mentioned that uh, you've always been a lifelong comics fan. What were what were some of the the first comics that you bought? Ooh, the first comic. So um, I was a big X Men '90s fan. Mm-hmm. Um, so I read uh, most of that stuff. You know, with the Jim Jim Lee Claremont run. 
Um, I was a huge um, Spider-Man run. Uh, I've had Spider-Man since, um, I think it's 1982. I have everything from 1982 because I bought every individual issue. Not mm -hmm. because, you know, I stopped. Because I, I, I'm one of those guys who never quit in college. I just kept buying. Okay. Um, for, for independent stuff, which I like to share, uh, I loved Crimson. Crimson's a, a huge, huge love of mine. Uh, Stray Bullets. 100 Bullets, uh, I love those those books. Uh, what else? Love New Warriors, I'm a huge New Warriors fan. You can't tell I'm a huge Magneto fan. I got the huge Magneto in the background. Awesome. I also have a shrine over there that you can't see, but it's a huge shrine. <laughs> um, those, so those are my big stuff. I was more Marvel than DC. Uh, DC, I only jump ship for Nightwing and the events. Okay. Um, I really dug Nightwing. Now, now I read, uh, I do read a lot more now, um, especially with Bendis. Yeah. I love Bendis. I followed Bendis from when he started. Uh, I was reading his Daredevil. I was reading Spider-Man. But even before that, I was reading his Jinx and Goldfish. Um, so, yeah, all that stuff. So what have you seen in the the, the change in writing styles, uh, looking at some of those, like, Claremont X-Men books to, to stuff that's that, that's coming out now? Like, what are, what are some of the changes that you've seen? Hmm. Well, one of the things that I find interesting, I just came to the realization of this the other day, and it's really sad. So comics are the most unforgiving medium. Mm -hmm. Stephen King can write a bad book, and he'll keep writing books, and eventually he'll just get another number one that's no big deal. He's not going to not sell. You know, John Grisham, people are still going to pick up his next book, even if he has a dud. If you, once you're kicked off of, like, let's say, let's use Claremont as an example. Once you're kicked off of X-Men, you're not going back to the main Uncanny X-Men title. They'll give you extreme X-Men or X-Men, but you don't get to go back to what made you that. They'll give you little side things, but they'll never give you that core book. And I found that very fascinating when I really thought about it. And there's exceptions where people come back for like a four-issue arc or, or a little small run, like Mark Wade came back for Hulk. Even Claremont came back a little bit for Uncanny X-Men, but no one's comes back like full. Um, so I found that interesting. Just a random side mm -hmm. note. Let's talk about it to answer your question. Do you want to respond to that before I answer your question? No, no I, I actually, I never really, I never really thought about that either. Um, yeah, you sort of, you get called up to, you get called up to the big leagues and you, you go down to, you go down to AAA and there's, there's no hope of, uh, you know, coming, coming back up. Right. Yeah. It, even Colin Bunn, like I talked to Colin Bunn once at a con. He, I was like, hey man, you're doing great. You're doing all these things. He's like, yeah, nobody's going to buy my stuff soon. And look at the shelf. There's not a lot of Colin Bunn, like Marvel and DC work. He's back in the indie circuit. Mm -hmm. It's just really weird. He writes a great book. Um, but, all right, so back. So it's interesting because we're in a writer's, writer's time right now. Yeah. Um, which is great. Um, so we're seeing a lot of, of great writers. The, the formatting is a little bit, uh, because we've been stuck in the trade format for so long, we're not seeing long flow stories. Um, they let, which is weird because we allow people to do it. Like we allow Jonathan Hickman and a few others to, to make those long form stories. But for the majority of writers, they're not getting those long form. Four issues, four issues, four issues. Um, you're not, you know, unless you're Dan Slott, Jonathan Hickman, or now Donnie Cates, don't plan for a year, plan for four issues at a time mm -hmm. uh, or five, depending on the trade. Um, so I find that a little bit uh, disheartening because they can't build these long arcs and these long stretching things. The positive is you're always getting to the, the next big epic cool thing that that's, that's exciting. Um, 
The other negative thing about comics is we're building towards events these days uh, in Marvel and DC, which is really sad. Mm-hmm. Um, I love events. I don't have a problem with events, but I hate, I don't feel that every title needs to cross over to every event. And why can't we have uh, miniature events? Uh, mm-hmm. Do you remember the, what was it called? Round Robin. And it was just a Spider-Man like six issue and it had like Moon Knight and it had the New Warriors and it had Cloak and Dagger. Like we had these small little events. Um, another example is like the X-Men and Ghost Rider crossover where they fought the brood. Just mm-hmm. a f- small little crossovers within this little universe. Those kind of went the wayside. And I always found those a lot of fun. And those were the things that I got most excited about. Not these big giant events, you know. Mm-hmm. Of the big giant events, you know, there's only been a few that's really kicked ass in the last few years yeah and so with your your history with spider-man like a lot of those spider-man um stories um you know 80s and stuff they were sort of done in ones but there was sort of like a long story being told and like little fragments of stories would pop in from from here to there and we don't really we don't really have that uh anymore yeah, yeah. I, I mean, maybe we can blame the Clone Saga because really all they were leading to the Clone Saga and that's that's what ruined it. But yeah, I mean, Dan Slott did it. Dan Slott had a run and he got sure. to build it, but Dan Slott wasn't leaving. But he's an oddity in that, in that where the majority of them don't get that, especially the X-Men, right? The X-Men is a drastically different book now than mm-hmm. it was in the 90s and even the back and i'm not just talking because of jonathan hickman's revamp just grant morrison did it before him yeah. you know it's 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 made to revamp which is cool but but also causes issues you know i hate peter parker i i thought peter parker was perfect in jms's run when he was a school teacher mm-hmm. that's the perfect position something you can get out of a lot you have summers off there's all sorts of times that he could get up but you know no you had to make him a big he was at a owned a multi-millionaire company that's not peter parker what are we doing i don't understand yeah but no, it is what it is <laughs> yeah. so let's uh let's let's turn back to to the indie world um and talk a little yeah. bit about the, the 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 kickstarter um what are what are some of the uh the 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 reasons for for going to kickstarter is it uh for eyeballs and and to find like-minded uh, individuals yeah, it's building a fan base. Um, the greatest thing about Kickstarter is you can fill, build a fan base. I can, I have fans all over the world who buy my book, mm-hmm. who've, who've got it from issue one, who've backed me and thought I was a great writer, um, who, who feel that uh, I'm worth investing in. And that's really, really cool. Yeah. Um, I, I love that part of Kickstarter. You know, um, going to cons, it's great, but I'm, I'm competing against celebrities who, who you made their favorite movie. I'm competing against art that they may want to have at their house. They're competing against a lot of things. Um, and you know what? The, the comic guy had their shot on Wednesday before they even got to the con. The guy mm-hmm. who I wanted to talk to was in the comic shop on Wednesday picking up their books. Sure. And they're here on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to get Donny Kate's signature or you know, a Jim Lee uh, sketch or Ryan Stegman, whoever they're trying to get this week. Um, so yeah, that's why I build it. The other thing is, uh, I do love the funding aspect. I mean, obviously that helps create comics. Uh, it builds trust. Like my team, this issue, uh, I paid him half up front to make mm-hmm. sure that I had skin in the game. I'm paying him half at the end, which is really, really cool. It allows me now that I have a reputation of funding, I don't have to shovel it all out at the beginning. Cause they're just like, we believe that you'll get that money. We believe that stuff. So they'll, they'll let me go half and half. Um, I'm, I do not 
go live until my book's done. Um, doesn't have to be completely done, just has to, the pencils and inks have to be done. Because mm-hmm. I can always get a colorist to go in, I can always get a letter, but the, the art, I, I don't want to change it. So I don't go live until I have that. Um, and so many books don't fulfill. So mm-hmm. I, wanna, I never want to be that guy. No, no, I hear you. Um, so has that been this, the same art team on all, all three issues? Yeah, in issue two, uh, we had a colorist fill in for a couple of pages for about half the book because uh, the, one of our, our colorists has cancer, James, James Sims has cancer. So he goes through bouts of chemo where he can't work. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so we let someone take over, but he's, he's back for this issue and, and taking over. But yeah, it's the, the same art team for each one. I do a backup with a different, with a different artist uh, as well. It's a two-page backup. I started that in issue two. That continues in issue three and we'll continue in issue four. So is the, is the different artist just to sort of give it a, a different look to let you know that it's sort of a, a break from, from the main story? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Showing that it's different. Um, and eventually what I'm going to do is after my arc is done and people understand what I'm going for and what I'm doing, I'm going to actually let other writers and artists do it. I'm going to give them four pages. That's how I got my start. I, I wrote a small book called Government Bodies. It was a four page back of his book and I got to pick a character and I got to write a small story about it. About it. I thought that was really cool. I want to be able to give back to, to some of these guys mm-hmm. who I think are really talented, who if I, if I give them that opportunity, I can do that. But I need to show them my world. I don't trust, I'm not, I don't have the trust yet to let it go. <laughs> so once I like, all right, have you read everything? Okay, cool. You can, you can write one of these guys. So with the, uh, with the art team, do you, do you see stuff at different phases of uh, uh, production? Do you see thumbnails? Do you see pencils? Uh, do, you, do you see inks? Um, sometimes, uh, my artist, he, he likes to, we've been working together since 2002. So he tends to just draw it and ink mm-hmm. it and send it to me. Um, he does it all digital. So he doesn't do pages anymore. The first issue has pages, but the okay. doesn't. um, so he sends me basically finished pages when he sends it to me. Um, so he doesn't do the layout stuff. Um, but I'm pretty good at detailing what I want for layouts. So we, we don't really have an issue with that. Uh, but most of my art team, I do the whole layout. But yeah, I see it. Uh, that he sends me that. I give him revisions. He revises, revises whatever panels. Goes to the colorist. The colorist does it. Um, then my letterer goes in, and then I do another edit after my letters. Okay. So it's kind of a weird format. My letter letters don't like this for the record. For anybody listening to this, letters hate it. So <laughs> plan for it. But I like to see how it feels on the page because I feel like when I see it on the page and flip through it, like I'm like, I don't, I don't like the way it sounds when I see it on the page. So I, I play with it a little bit there. Uh, so there's a, one extra edit after that. And sometimes it's drastic. Sometimes there's, a, there's full dialogues taken or added. No, I, uh, I've actually talked to some writers who are actually also the letterers. So they, they also, they, they, they have the, uh, the opportunity to, to do that edit, and it sounds like you're 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 doing that there as well. Um, so how did you how did you find your find your art team for for this book? So for Felix, um, interesting story. So this book, the first issue and two pages from issue two, were actually created in two thousand seven. Um, I had two issues done. Uh, he had a baby, uh, um, and I had a baby both at the same time, and we both realized that we couldn't finish it, um, so we quit. We just quit. And back in the day, like if you switched art teams mid mid book, you're done. Mm-hmm. Like there was no coming back. It seems to be a little bit more forgiven these days. But if you did that in the early 2000s, you're dead. 
Like if you switch our teams midway and it doesn't look the same, don't even bother submitting it to image or any of these other companies. Sure. Um, and we didn't have Kickstarter, so there was no option to do it any other way. So I, I put it in a box. My wife, you know, saw the art and was like, so you have two issues of a comic book that you never came out with? That's stupid. And I agreed, that's stupid. <laughs> so I uh, put it together and uh, we, we took those two issues, made one really good issue, um, used a couple pages for issue two. That's why issue one is 30 pages because I took basically the best of the, the 48 pages and put it into one issue. Scrap some. Um, so that's how I came up my, my artist. Uh, my colorist uh, and my ink and my letter both came from uh, Colorist for Hire. It's okay. like a group on Facebook. I think it's Comic Colorist for Hire. I came both of them on there and they're just fantastic. My letterer, I cannot do a book without him. Jerome, it, he makes the book. He just, because he has the passion from it. He's from Canada. He is just as passionate about this project as I am. Like he gets, he keeps me going. He's really excited about it. Um, my colorist James, he he loves the work. He's kind of a work for hire, but he he also is is passionate about it and getting it done. And he has a unique, clean style. One of the things that is interesting about my crime book versus others is it's clean. It's a hundred percent clean book. It's not gritty and dark. Mm -hmm. uh, and I did that on purpose. I did that for a style because I don't think I necessarily have to make it look a certain way uh, to do it. You know, uh, if you look at any crime movies, they're they're directed and done all sorts of different ways. It doesn't have to be one way. Very nice. And so having those two issues sitting in a box and then taking them down to one issue, um, do you think that was beneficial? You know, like a lot of times, like with writing, they say to like, kill your darling. So was, was, was were you doing a little bit there? Yeah, no, it, it is a better issue coming out later than it was if it would have came out then. Uh, it was a Quentin Tarantino ripoff. Like it was written that way, and some of it had to stay to keep the the issue one the, to make it work, just because of the way of the art. Uh, you know, because sometimes you make choices in the indie world based on what you have for art. Right? I didn't want to pay for a lot more art. I only want to pay for a couple of pages. Uh, but it was it was I was a young writer and I didn't have the experience. I didn't have the life experience. I didn't understand storytelling as much. Um, when I wrote that script to when I wrote it to when I look at it now. So yeah, when I, when I cut it down and cut out just to make it just story, get to the action, get to the action, get to the action. It made it a way better story. There's not a lot of pages of just talking. And all that. Okay. Very cool. Um, so with, with, so that was the one that was like, that wasn't the one that was hand drawn, right? So you had, uh, yeah, you, yeah, you yeah. had all the, yeah, I have the sketches. In fact, here's a page right here. I, I don't know if you're actually showing this live, so it's just going to be a podcast. But Oh, no, no. It's, yeah, oh, that, that's pretty cool. Um, so uh, did you, was there any, like, taking, like, physical panels from, from one, like, drawn page and, like, putting them with, 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 a, with another page? Or were you just, like, page two doesn't work? Um, we're, we're moving out. We're, we're getting rid of page two or well, are you like, I, I need this panel from three and I need this panel from, from four to, to make like a, a, a good, a good page. How did, how did you handle that? A, a little bit of that. There was a little bit of that. So, uh, because of the way that there's, there's two driving scenes in the book. Mm -hmm. One was driven by Randy. One was driving by Dan Denver. So to keep all the art that I wanted, I had to switch drivers. So I had him redraw certain panels. 
Oh, okay. Uh, he would digitally scan it. He would redo certain panels. But for the most part, I kept it. And then some of it, um, uh, I just the art just was a little dated, so I had to clean it up a little bit. And some things I had to write clever dialogue, like they're using old flip phones. So I had to write that they were disposable and it was done on purpose. Um, and I just actually had an interview. The, someone did a review the other day and didn't catch the line where I said they were disposable and it was right that he was just like, I don't understand why they're using old phones. And I was like, all right. Um, but yeah, and that's why it's got a little bit of the the 70s vibe to it because uh, mm -hmm. he he read it he drew it from his version of america because from he, he's from indonesia and that's okay. kind of how he saw america um, and i liked it i was just like all right let's go with it it's fun um but yeah so yeah we had to do a lot of that the other thing that we had to do is um we had to add a lot of the setting of the area when i wrote it was was florida was a florida vibe um uh, when i we started looking at the panels he kind of drew more of a midwest okay uh, or or kind of a northern area so we decided to set it in colorado change some of the fonts and stuff my wife is from colorado and there's a place called canyon city and canyon city it's it has more prisons than people from what i oh, understand wow. so i was like oh i like that i like that we can use that so we've been using that i'm also going to use it in later issues to deal with like legalization of marijuana that stuff affects crime you know we're, mm -hmm. we're doing all these things we don't care about those little crime guys who are affected by these big corporate greed of marijuana <laughs> <laughs> um so it seems like and this is another thing that we we encounter a lot that the, 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 the writer has to almost be like the project manager and, and the problem solver so it seems like you yeah. you're, you're doing a little bit of that you're like you know uh i envision this to be in florida but these these locales don't really convey florida so you're I, i'm gonna i'm gonna change the story so do you find as the writer you also act as a, as a bit of a, a project manager yeah yeah especially when we're dealing with foreign artists um, they mm -hmm. don't understand everything so you're gonna have to make decisions either you have to explain things to them an mm -hmm. example one of the other books that i did i wrote uh, i wrote food truck so he wrote big food trucks food delivery trucks mm -hmm. not like a food cart like like we have so i had to show him the difference um, so I could have either written, you know, rewrote the way that scene worked or explain what a food cart is and go through that as examples. And you kind of hit it on the location for that isn't important to the story. So it can mm -hmm. be said anywhere. So it didn't matter. Um, so that's not a big deal. But if it was important to the story, you've got to pick that. But yeah, absolutely. Project manager, making sure everything's done, make sure my team understands it um, and making sure like I'm doing my work a promo. You know, I think there's something that indie guys don't understand. So we can find someone to do it $25 a page. Mm -hmm. We can, we can find it. Sure. And they, they're probably even really good. The negative of that is that person's not going to be able to help you promote it. Mm -hmm. So you either pay them more to have you help them promote it. You know, you'll pay an American to help you promote it or you do it yourself. You're paying for it either way, either with your time in promotion or mm -hmm. your, or how, with them having promotion, you're paying for it either way. You just got to figure out which way you want to pay it. I don't think a lot of indie guys realize that because they're just like, well, he shared it out. Yeah, of course. You sold it to Brazil who don't have the money, the $20 for shipping and the, the $10 for the book. So you're, you're wasting your time for, you know, promoting to that area. Sure. Um, so how much, how much time do you spend on promotion and how much time are you spending on like creative uh, endeavors? Like when, when you're working on comics? 
Yeah, it takes uh, it takes about four months an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, is what it takes uh, for us to put it all together. Um, during that, I I normally spend at least a month before the comp, before the thing promoting. Uh, but even but even from issue one going to the next issue, you know, I got to figure out what all covers I'm going to have in Kickstarter world. You got to do all covers. I'm, I'm trying to develop that team. I'm also uh, going doing the con circuit, so I'm in a lot of cons trying to sell sell the way there. So I'm always building the brand and promoting and mailing lists and doing that because you got to you've got to keep it out there. I'm sending it to publishers and so not necessarily to even sell it. I just want them to read it and mm-hmm. see see if they like it. Um, I haven't decided if I want to sell it yet. I've had offers, but I, I really just want people to read it uh, and and get the feedback from someone who's going to be harsh to me because I want to be good at this. I really do. So if someone reads my book and they're like, hey, I didn't like this. Cool. What didn't you like about it? So I can try to get better. And maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong. I, that doesn't, that's irrelevant. It's, it's what their perspective is so I can understand it. So this being the third issue, do you find it to be uh, beneficial that you can package um, the 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 one and the two to together to to help uh to help fund three and did did i hear you right you're doing are you doing like different covers yeah yeah there's three different covers uh, i do three covers per book so i do for this one we have a standard cover second one we have a homage cover so we have a hundred bullets uh homage cover based off the first trade mm-hmm. and uh, for the third one we have what i call the artist edition what the artist edition is it's a fold-out cover um, I can show you. Do you want to grab it? Sure, sure. Yeah, give me a second. Yeah. So this is something unique that I came up with. Um, it's called the Artist Edition, and what it is is a sketch cover that's a wraparound. Nice. It's hand numbered, um, and they're done by people who I think are up and coming. So these are my predictions of someone. So this guy's name is Frank Usum. Okay. Uh, the only stuff he's done uh, is indie, uh, and then he makes tons of money on Instagram. Like you can see him just rake in the commission every day on Instagram. Um, he's done Wailing Blades, um, he's done Sync covers, and then he's done mine. That's it. Uh, so do you find um, with any repeat customers that they're, uh, they, they, they like the fact that if they backed one and two, that they can come in, maybe get a tier where they, uh, they're, they're getting one and two again, but it's, 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 it's got a different cover, it's, it's a different edition. Does, does, is that, does that helpful? Yeah, it absolutely is helpful because uh, we're trying to build um, the people. People are following some of these people, you know, Walter Altley's in the new one and uh, Jim O'Reilly's doing some other stuff. Uh, it helps. So they're not getting the same thing. Um, but the negative is, uh, I don't know if you do the con circuit, con circuit, really, you have a hard time selling anything besides issue one. Mm-hmm. You have a complete work or issue one. Um, the, the thing is, you know, they say that issue three will help you sell issue two, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but I've found like they want trades or issue ones. Like it's, there's no real middleman. So really my whole Kickstarter is where I sell the issue three, where I sell the issue two. So I try to build packages to have it. It's really hard. The hardest thing definitely for an issue three is I know there's people who wanted issue two that didn't back it. So do I make a, 
a tier just for issue two and three? Like, what do I do? You know, and as I'm going to cons, I know they buy issue one. Do I do it? So I, I just kind of play it. I try to give new covers. I try to give options to, to allow them to get something new if they're going to have to rebuy. Very cool. Um, so I think we're going to get close to wrapping this up. Um, do you okay. have any, do you have any advice for anybody that's doing a Kickstarter and do you like, uh, how do you, how do you keep your sanity? How are you not, uh, how are you not hitting the refresh button every, every 30 seconds to, to see what that, that, that funding total is at? I mean, every time my phone has moved, I've, I've refreshed it. So that's <laughs> not possible. Okay. No, um, <laughs> uh, but uh, what, what you do is just know that you're building, um, you have to build an audience before you come. Mm -hmm. and, and everything has to have a purpose. You know, um, I did, uh, as you and I are talking, I did a soft launch. Mm -hmm. So meaning my scheduled launch is tomorrow, the 28th, but I did one today because I know that I have a certain amount of backers. I know that I, I can make a certain amount of money just because I've done this a few times. You know, just though there's only three issues of breakdown, I've done The Advocator and a few other books. Mm -hmm. So I kind of know where my audience is and how much I, I'm worth, a day one worth. Um, that'll make it last a couple more days than it normally would. Mm -hmm. um, so my advice to people is really just plan everything that you do in the Kickstarter, really plan it out. So make sure it has a point. Don't just make it all cover to make it all cover. Mm -hmm. Make it all cover with a purpose. This is, so I, that's why I make the homage cover. I am trying to target a certain audience that likes homage covers. Um, in issue one and two, I targeted pro, people who do pro, pro mm -hmm. work. So Carmeline and Rich, Rich Woodall, they both do pro. For the artist edition, I'm trying to grab people who I think are up and coming because they have a small fan base who I think are loyal and are, are fanatic about them. So build whatever it is, build it strategically. Don't just do it, hey, uh, my friend Billy can do it. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because that's not gonna work for you. It's, it's not gonna end up being beneficial. Awesome. So why don't you let people know where they can find you online and uh, so they can see more about this this project. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to go to the Kickstarter, it's uh, BrokedownComics.com. Uh, if you want to go to the website to kind of read more about it, it's uh, BrokedownFourDeadBodies.com. Um, the Kickstarter has the first issue. If you want to download it, uh, it's absolutely free. You just download it, click on it. You can read the whole thing uh, before you buy two or three. Um, Jester Lou, um, and that's L-O-U, mm -hmm. uh, is my Twitter and Instagram. Uh, but yeah, message me and anybody who has any questions, if you're listening to this and you're like, hey, I want to reach out, I need some help on this, I'll gladly help you. My advice is always free. I'm never going to charge you for advice. So if you just need a little bit of help or a little bit of encouragement, please, I'd love to talk to you about, about helping you get there. We're all in this together. I really, be part of the community. Uh, that's probably what I, my feedback should have been. Be part of the community. Uh, this is the first time Matt and I have ever met first place, but I've known what he's done and what his stuff. And last Kickstarter, I was like, Hey, I'm so excited to back your book, you yeah. know, because, because there, there's, we have a community. And even if we don't talk, we know who we are. We mm -hmm. know, we know what we're, we can't even know our value, right? How much we can raise. We, we know all those numbers in the back of our heads. Um, but it's, it's more of a, we know the people who are doing this and actually need it. Cause there's a lot of people who do this to really just put out, a book because they they decided on a whim that they want to write a comic. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And there's some of us who actually love comics and want to do this. And I know you're one of them. I know I, I hopefully you know that I'm one of them. <laughs> no, we definitely, we definitely, I, I, I've been, <laughs> we've been, we've been running in the same circles um, for, right. for a lot of, a lot of years. And uh, there's definitely a, a community of folks that like, like, uh, like your book goes out and I see, I see, I get all of those, I get all those backer messages and I'm like, Oh, so-and-so backed it. So-and-so. And I, and I see it. So it's, it's, it's definitely the same names that we, that we're seeing over and over again. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Oh, and one thing before I let you go, I want to let you know that uh, the last Kickstarter, I got the, the air freshener. Yeah. That came and I, I put it up and it was like the one time that my, my comics room like smelt uh, nice and fresh. My, my wife came in. She's like, do you have an air freshener? I'm like, yes, I do. It's, uh, it's right here from, from this Kickstarter that I backed. So that was, that was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, I'm super excited. So this one, so the first one did the Kickstarter, the, the air freshener. Did you, were you lucky enough to get a, um, a bumper sticker? I, for that don't, I don't believe so. I think I just got the air freshener. Okay. Um, did you, you backed one and two though. You, you backed yeah. from the beginning, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. So issue two, yes. Issue two, some people got the, the bumper sticker. It depends on when you backed it. Okay. When you backed it. Um, because it was backer numbers. There was like 50 of them or whatever. Okay. Uh, for issue three, when, if we get to the stretch, which I think we will, it's going to be key change. So we're building your car up. So awesome. you saved your air freshener. I'll see if I can find a uh, bumper sticker for you and, and get that on you so you don't have to click it. Okay, cool. I, I appreciate it. All right. Well, Travis, I want to, I want to thank you uh, for being on. It was great talking and uh, I, uh, I'm very excited for, for, for issue three here uh, and all the ones that are going to come after this. If anybody would yeah. like to, if anybody would like to give us a follow, we're on Twitter at construct pod. We are on Instagram at constructing comics pod, Facebook constructing comics and YouTube constructing comics. I will have links to Travis's Kickstarter and Travis's social media in the show notes for this episode. And I'd like to thank everybody for joining us and uh, go out there and uh, make some comics.